नमस्ते एवरीवन वेलकम टू द चारबक पॉडकास्ट दिस इज योर होस्ट कुशल मेहरा ऑलराइट सो एज एवरीबॉडी नोस अ लॉट इज हैपनिंग इन द वर्ल्ड ऑफ आर्कियोलॉजी एंड रिलीजियोसिटी एज ऑफ नाउ द ज्ञानवापी मस्जिद सर्वे इज गोइंग ऑन एंड आई थिंक दे हैव इवन स्टार्टेड द दे हैव गिवन अ गो अहेड फॉर अ माइनर सर्वे इन मथुरा टू एंड एज as it happened uh, the bogie of the places of worship act of 1991 was raised so to talk about it we have our charvak podcast in house lawyer nikhil mehra nikhil welcome i, I want to make it clear that charvak podcast has never been sued so i am not quite yet your in house lawyer jab bhi hoga tu hi hoga i'm waiting for the day you get sued then then you can call me this देख ऐसा होगा ऐसा ना हो जाए कि तू जो बोलता है उसके लिए मैं सू हो जाऊ फिर तू खुद को ही डिफेंड कर लेना तो हिस्ट्री ऑफ द सब्जेक्ट एज टू वाई दिस लॉ इवन केम इन टू द फर्स्ट प्लेस एंड अभी अभी मैं तुझे पूछूंगा कि वॉट वॉज द रैशनल बिहाइंड इट ना यू माइट से इसमें कोई रैशनल था नहीं मगर फिर भी even when there is no rational there is supposedly some rational is given so let's start with the history first well i mean you are essentially asking me for a very liberalized word salad so here it here goes this country was ravaged by the politics of communalism and then eventually to eradicate that politics of communalism parliament decided to take upon its duty and pass a law that they considered to be a amalgamation of all the best secular principles in the land and pass the places of worship act which is it is ye thin it's all of 3 pages long eight sections there's literally nothing in it except to tell you you can't sue for certain things that's really essentially what it is hey but jokes apart this is passed in 1991 and historically it is passed at a time when the rath yatra is at its peak but the masjid has not been broken as yet the babri masjid has not yet been broken so not in contemplation of those things possibly it the idea was that a, an act of parliament will stall various actions and i do think that in deeming that to be the position there was to a degree a misunderstanding of the level of sentiment and of the groundswell of support for these causes right so it's all very easy to say that we can pass an act of parliament and thereby besides the criminal law also by this act debar certain actions it's another thing to say that those actions will necessarily not occur and this is the kind of thing gushal that generally happens when you place into the strict legislative field issues that are essentially of a political field law cannot create every reconciliation every compromise in fact law must only record or recon- or, or record a compromise or a reconciliation after the politics of it is complete if you try and play politics through the law you end up with dead letter laws or laws that aren't worth the paper they printed but i agree i'm jumping the gun a little bit i'm going more towards my commentary i want to go basically step by step so like i said this rath yatra is on and a bill is tabled in parliament in march or may 1991 and passed eventually in july august 1991 a 
of September 1991. And what prompted it, and you know, I shouldn't speak for those who have already spoken. So I'll read to you uh, a little bit of the introduction and a statement of objects and reasons, which are optional parts of a statute generally. It is not as if they are necessarily always a part. And there is generally a short title and a small introduction before the statute. But this statement of objects and reasons and the actual introduction, you will not necessarily find in every single statute. You do find okay. it here. And it is one page long. The whole statute is three pages long. So you can understand that there is a lot of justification going on to the underlying cause. With regard to conversion of places of worship of religious denominations into a place of worship of a different section of the same religious denomination or of a different religious denomination, controversies have been arising from time to time. It was found necessary that such controversies should be prohibited. To achieve this objection, the places of worship bill was, uh, special provisions bill was introduced in parliament. In view of the controversies arising from time to time, this is a statement of objects and reasons. And the statement of objects and reasons in extreme circumstances actually becomes a statutory, an aid for statutory construction. So court can actually look at it and say, let's try and decipher the meaning. And to that end, I am reading this because this will be important to the larger argument. In view of the controversies arising from time to time with regard to conversion of places of worship, it is felt that such conversion, conversion should be prohibited. In order to foreclose any controversy in respect of any place of worship that existed on 15th day of August 1947, it is considered necessary to provide for the maintenance of the religious character of such places of worship as it existed on the 15th day of August 1947. As a consequence thereof, all the suits or other proceedings pending as on 11th day, on the 11th day of July 1991 with respect to any of such places of worship may abate and also further suits or other proceedings may be barred. However, since the case relating to the place commonly called Rama Janmabhumi, Babri Masjid forms a class by itself, it has become necessary to exempt it entirely from the operation of this act. Moreover, in order to maintain communal harmony and peace, matters decided by courts, tribunals or other authorities or those settled by parties amongst them by themselves or through acquiescence between the 15th day of August 1947 and the 11th day of uh, July 1991 are also exempted from the operation of this act. The 11th day of July 1991 is proposed as the commencement date of the act, as on that day the president addressed the parliament making such a declaration. The bill seeks to achieve the above objectives. Right? So a few things emerge from this. Nikhil, I have a question here, if you can explain that too. You sure. read a particular line there which said, Ram Janmubhumi is a peculiar case, even they mention it in the law yeah, itself. Yeah, yeah. But so what is the basis of deciding why I'll, it is peculiar I'll also? Will be all, explained of that, all of that was, so that's a valid question to raise. That's a question being raised today as well, right? So we'll go step by step. So where when you say it was found necessary that such controversies should be prohibited, that sentence by itself, first and foremost, assumes that you have outlined the controversy. And when you outline the controversy, you say a place of worship today has a particular character and the least controversial. Therefore, when you say you want to deal with the controversy, you say I am taking a step that will eradicate the controversy. That is the purpose. Here. That is the mischief that you are addressing. 
So you say a place of worship has a particular character, religious character today. I'm freezing that religious character. Correct? So the first question is, does that eradicate the controversy? Right? What you have done, therefore, is a freezing of all and any questions on these issues whatsoever. Hmm. Now, I would have understood if instead of being so coy and just talking about controversies, they could have actually said this is potential for violence. Enumerated violence. Enumerated powers that have to be dealt with for that kind of violence. That kind of thing. I could have understood that somewhat. What they choose to do is to define, is to, is to basically choose the word controversies, determine a solution to those controversies, and that solution is a freezing in time. Right? Then they say, because they say in clear words, in order to foreclose any controversy in respect of any place of and foreclose is a very important word. Hmm. Foreclose by its definition is a word of anticipation. Mm -hmm. Right? It is avoiding a future dispute. You have chosen that the avoidance of a future dispute is to pretend the dispute never exists. Mm -hmm. And how do you do that pretense? You do that pretense by making sure nobody can go to a court of law to agitate that issue. Got it. It's literally a case of wishing it away. Right? They could have very well gone and said, as a contrast, right? We are freezing it here today. Because as far as we are concerned, history has no place in the modern Indian Republic. Historicity of disputes, unless they relate to private disputes, will not be looked at by courts. They could have done that. They could have literally gone and said, it is the duration of time, it is the historicity of this that I am looking at. When you use the word controversies, it's a very vague cop-out. You're not actually defining what you're avoiding here. What are you avoiding? Are you avoiding a confrontation of history? Are you avoiding an alteration of political reality on the ground today? In which case, this act is a political act. Are you avoiding uh, in any way, manner or form the potential for violence that may arise? which is a legitimate cause, no problem. But what is the source of it? How are you dealing with it? None of that comes, right? So it's it's a very vague way to deal with things. Shortcut kind of thing. It's literally like this. We've had these debates for 30 odd years. I remember this from when I was a child. And it used to be in the context of Ayodhya always. That if Ayodhya is given, then what? Will it never stop? That used to be the question. Hmm. And literally parliament has come and given you the exact answer that reconciliatory people on the Hindu side used to give, which is, but again. Right? It's a very WhatsApp uncle provision if you think of it. <laughs> I was literally going to say that this is like such a knee-jerk reaction. But there is something to be said for the intention behind it, which is positive as well. And I'll come to that. And 
In fact, I don't even need to do much on that because the Supreme Court in the Ram Janbhumi case took it upon itself to devote six pages in justifying the Places of Worship Act. Almost like when that act was not in issue before the Supreme Court, almost as if it is giving a signal from the from the, from its ramparts that you are not going to touch other things. And yet when other things are touched, they are allowed to be touched. Which is what we're seeing over the last couple of months. Right? So now, just moving forward again. Now, in order to maintain communal harmony and peace, matters decide... This is important. The invocation of communal harmony and peace which is a distinct invocation from foreclosing controversies is raised only in the context of not disputing matters that are already settled. They do not say for maintaining communal harmony and peace, we don't want you to open any issue. What they say is for maintaining communal harmony and peace, whatever has been decided between parties, Whatever has already been determined before the passage of this act in any suit, anywhere, and this, by the way, has some relevance to Krishna Janbhumi, cannot be opened. We will not touch that. We are not altering that. If you have altered the status of your religious place of worship, voluntarily, for example, in the period after 1947, prior to the passage of this act in 1991, that is given sanctity and stability but that is given sanctity and stability in pursuit of communal harmony. Hang on, but uh, the, this is such a vague understanding of communal harmony. It almost assumes that the communal harmony... We'll get to, uh, we'll get to the okay. philosophical structures later. I am right now on just the legal structures. So I'm just trying to draw out that there is this facile distinction made between foreclosing controversies in relation to issues that may arise, but communal harmony being the basis, maintaining communal harmony being the basis in not opening issues that have already been closed. Because the ones that have already been closed, it is an act of communal harmony if they have already gone against Hindus because there was already in place a compromise on Mathura. That compromise has now been opened. So it's a very surreptitious provision in that sense. right? Now these are only the statements of objects and reasons. Let me go to the act itself. The, in, the aim of the act is an act to prohibit the conversion of any place of worship and to provide for the maintenance of religious character of any place of worship as it existed on 15th August 1947 for matters connected there with an incident there. They now define place of worship means a temple, mosque, gurudwara, church, monastery or any other place of public religious worship of any religious denomination or any action thereof by whatever name God. Right? So they've enumerated certain places. And I, and I want you to bear in mind that they've enumerated this because I will at some point in this uh, podcast, I will bring out the issue of the distinction between worship and prayer. They're slightly different from each other. Now, this is the main section. You mean legally, right? You mean legally. Legally, this has not been decided. Nothing has needed decision as yet. All of it will come forward. I'm saying even theologically or ecclesiastically, as I understand it, worship and prayer are two different things. Worship cannot be done any and everywhere. Prayer can be done any and everywhere.
no person shall convert any place of worship of any religious denomination or any section thereof into a place of worship of a different section of the same religious denomination or of a different religious denomination or any section thereof. On the face of it, a laudatory kind of provision, it says things will stand as they stand. Right? It is hereby declared that the religious character of a place of worship existing on 15th August 1947 shall continue to be the same as it existed on that day. I don't understand how this can be. I mean, is this for perpetuity? Can we not change it? I don't know. The, the, I read the whole damn three pages and I was just confused. I was telling you on WhatsApp. So anyway, if on so now in section 4.2, they bar all appeals. In section 4.3, they make some carve-outs. Those carve-outs also include your ancient monuments and archaeological sites and remains act. Limited significance in section 5 comes what that is the 19, 1958 act you just mentioned right yeah now section 5 is what you were referring to nothing contained in this act shall apply to the place of worship commonly known as Ram Janmabhumi Babri Masjid situated in Ayodhya in the state of Uttar Pradesh and to any suit appeal or other proceeding relating to the set place or place of worship right so Ayodhya is taken out of the picture ostensibly and this is what gives it somewhat of a political character right Ostensibly, because Ayodhya could not, they could not have barred the Ayodhya proceedings with politics as heated as it was by a special act of parliament. I think they recognize their limitations there. Punishment for contravention of section 3. Whoever contravenes the provision of section 3 shall be punishable with imprisonment for a term which may extend to three years, blah, blah. Section 7 is important. An act. Overriding non-obstantic clause, which says that anything contained in this act shall have effect notwithstanding anything inconsistent therewith contained in any other law for the time being in force or any other instrument having effect by virtue of any law or on any other act. Now, let me give you an example of how this becomes problematic. Section 8 of the Sikh Gurudwara Act allows for application for declaration that a particular Gurudwara is not a Sikh Gurudwara. That is a power given to the tribunal under that act. And mm -hmm. even Sikhs themselves can apply to say this Gurudwara has been functioning in a particular sort of way, which is not which is not comporting with the tenets of the, of the religion. And therefore, it cannot be a Sikh Gurudwara anymore. This is so absurd. Prima facie, that would obstruct with this. Right? But now I want to go into a sort of raise the questions that you have raised somewhat and, and try and understand yeah. the After this, I will read through Supreme Court somewhat preemptive strike mm -hmm. in support of this legislation in the Ramjan Bhumi case. Right? Mm -hmm. So, the first and most controversial question, question that is repeatedly raised is what is the significance of 15th August 1947? It's an obvious answer as well. And that obvious answer is we became independent on that day. But that is also not the day on which our constitution came into force. Mm -hmm. So why could this not have been the 26th of January 1950? That is the date on which our constitution came into force. And then you say our constitution because it upholds secular principles. Mm -hmm. And this is our definition of secularism. Our definition of secularism is we are going to foreclose controversies 
in pursuance of communal law. We're going to foreclose con controversies and leave things as they are and hope for the best. Right? 27th, uh, 15th October, August 1947 has very limited relevance in terms of constitutionalism. It has definitive relevance, relevance in terms of independence, but mm -hmm. not to constitutionalism. So this is a controversial date, first and foremost, mm -hmm. right? And much is made of the petitions that challenge this act. Much is made of this date. This is a clear point of challenge that this is an arbitrary date, right? Now, the bar on conversion in itself is a very peculiar kind of bar. Let's say in relation to a Hindu temple itself, because you can't even switch within denominations. Mm -hmm. Let's say there is a old Hindu temple somewhere, Prachin temple somewhere or the other. And it's Samudaya related to it decides along with another sect that in fact there has been a change of character or over passage of time by our rituals itself or by our uh, by our uh, texts by our texts themselves there is an alteration in the character of the space mm -hmm. right and the alteration of character now means it must now belong to a different sect can we not do that? Prima facie, oh, we can't. Yeah. Yeah. Prima facie, we can't. So, they kind of, went, they thought they're doing the narrowest possible thing. They've actually done something which is going to be very difficult to explain and contain beyond the point. Look, this can only be preserved in what I call platitudes to secularism. But once you start digging at the issue, then those platitudes tend to fall apart. Right? So I don't think this act is going to satisfy anybody if it forms the basis of rejecting various historical claims. Because this act simply says there is no claim. It doesn't actually answer the historicity of the claims themselves or the accuracy of the claims themselves. Yeah, it but that... that... Allow Get, get allow on what basis? But they don't give any basis, right? That's my problem. I, try, I read the basis to you. That is why I insisted so much on reading the introduction. Yeah, but... Closing that, that, controversy. Yeah, are, kya controversy? Are, that is just we are drawing a line. Mere man ko bhaiya, main kutta ke khaya. That kind of a thing they've done. They have, no, but where, where? But do you, don't you think our politicians and our parliamentarians have the right to foreclose controversies? Their Nikhil, minds are too simple. They can't deal the, with controversies. Technically, a legislature's job is to go and represent what their constituency wants. Are, did they do that? They say they have. The law passed. <laughs> the law passed. It's as simple as that. BJP staged a walkout, but the law passed. Yeah, unfortunately. What a ridiculous right? law. But okay, aage, aage bol. So this is the act. There is nothing more in the act. This is the explanation of it. Okay, now so I have two, three questions. One second, you come to questions. Let me now take you to... And I want to read this in extenso because... I read these seven pages that Justice Chandrachud, I'm assuming it was Justice Chandrachud, everybody is assuming it was Justice Chandrachud, because he wrote the Ramjan Bhumi judgment, is what it is commonly believed to be the case, but his signature is now not nowhere there, so we can't actually say that. But whoever wrote it, 
you have to see the pains to which they have gone to justify the act and how repetitive that justification is and it is a classic what you and i describe as a word salad right a word salad to which is more a whale than a reasoning so he very generously sets out the act defines place of worship under the act uh puts very tactical sort of ital italics to various things that he uh sets out and and i can say he because all the judges were male uh and i think they identify as male as well the law has been enacted to fulfill two purposes first it prohibits the conversion of any place of worship in doing so it speaks to the future by mandating that the character of a place of public worship shall not be altered of course he does not raise the question of how open ended this future is is this for perpetuity can you decide for perpetuity who are you to decide that these are the only notions that will exist what if a religion or a sect or a denomination at some point ceases to exist can we not do anything about that place because its act is in place second the law seeks to impose a positive obligation to maintain the religious character of every place of worship as it existed on 15 8 when india achieved independence from colonial to me these are frankly the same statement said twice over yeah right ranjan bhumi is exempted and this is important and i'll tell you why this is important in the context of this chapter whenever you read a judgment and this is a tricky task even for lawyers you have to distinguish between what are called as ratio dissidenti and the obiter dicta explain the only, this yeah the only binding part of a judgment is the ratio that is a direct opinion a direct uh, a direct statement of law or fact mixed mixed statement of either law or fact or of law that relates to the specific controversy in issue in the case if you are discussing things that are beyond that controversy in order to explain that controversy and in pursuit of that you reiterate certain other legal principles those other legal principles do not become ratio they remain obiter and obiter is not binding going forward okay ratio is binding that is the principle of what is called a stare decisis which is the bedrock of the concept of common law right judges actually this idea was evolved so that judges themselves can be more restrained when you pass a judgment only that which is specifically in controversy as your opinion will be binding to the next person everything mm-hmm. else that you have stated under the sun is not binding to the next person they have every right to figure it out for themselves differently and the, what that does is it narrows down judgments so that this theory of precedent does not become oppressive that i one person has said one thing now we can just smash everyone that comes afterwards it allows for newer and newer ways to look at the same thing mm-hmm. and i i often say this now i'm reasonably experienced so i can say that as an experienced lawyer that the theory of precedent and binding value of judgments is actually a very very narrow scope even in our day to day practice where it does apply those cases are too obvious we don't even take them to court for the most part we don't mm. right so qua the ram janmabhoomi legal issue 
this act was only relevant in its reading of section 5 which omits ram janm bhoomi and ayodhya from the ambit of this act if an argument on places of worship was raised before that supreme court which was deciding ram janm bhoomi it could mm-hmm. simply have said we're sorry section 5 says this particular dispute is outside the ambit of the act therefore no argument on the act need be read mm and i would have ended the matter mhm but they chose to extrapolate and to me it is a kind of signaling because i'll, I'll read it to you it sets out the act and then sets out that the place of worship is defined in the broadest possible terms to cover places of public religion religious worship of all religions and denominations now this is the kind of statement that i call is classic obito it can never be reshaped and it is a controversial statement as far as i am concerned there is in that definitional section where i said an enumeration which says mandir masjid mosque mandir mosque etc temples mosque gurdwaras etc etc but the nature and character of that definition is they must all be places of worship so if you, if anybody draws a distinction between worship and prayer and so says them a mosque is by definition only a place of prayer a congregational space of prayer and not of worship because there is nothing to worship there or certain mosques may have the character of worship alaksa for example may have the character of a space of worship but every mosque does not have the character of a space of worship right they can certainly try and oppose this statement of law that the supreme court has stated or at least is inference the only exception blah 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 i wanted now he sets out and this is important and i want to read this to you because you asked me what the history of the provision is mm-hmm. right so he reads out the union minister of home affairs a speech on the 10th of september 1991 when this law was being passed we see this bill as a measure to provide and develop a glorious tradition of love peace and harmony these traditions are part of cultural heritage of which every indian is justifiably proud tolerance for all faiths has characterized our great civilizations great civilizations since time immemorial these traditions of amity harmony and mutual respect came under severe strain during pre-independence period when the colonial power sought to actively create and encourage communal divide in the country after independence we have set about healing the wounds of the past and endeavor to restore our traditions of communal amity and goodwill to their past glory by and large we have succeeded although there have been it must be admitted some unfortunate setbacks rather than being discouraged from such setbacks it is our duty and commitment to take lesson from them for the future ki judgment hai ki love song hai this is the introductory speech in parliament he's quoting it so you asked why they passed it they are saying that this this is the most this act represents the most glorious traditions of indian civilization hey shabash love I peace harmony what... tolerance kumbaya oh yeah right? and uh one other member in support of the cut off date of 15th august 1947 what does she say malni bhatchare but i think this 158 1947 is crucial because on that date we are supposed to have emerged as a modern democratic and sovereign state 
thrusting back such barbarity into the past once and for all. But we did not because we didn't have a constitution. On 15th August 1947, you could not have known what our state, would, what our constitution would be. Mm-hmm. The assembly was still sitting. From that day, yeah. we are also we also distinguished ourselves as state, which has no official religion and which gives equal rights to all different religious denominations. Equal rights, by the way. So their definition of equal rights is freezing everything. Mm. And I'll show you in the challenging petitions, the petitions which challenge this act. That they say this is exactly what it is not. Mm. You have created a fake kind of reconciliation, which is biased to only one side. You cannot call this fairness and parity. That's a challenge. Yeah, it's one. It's it's one-sided sameness it's as one-sided, it always right? is in India. So whatever may have happened before that, we all expected that from that day there should be no such retrogression into the past. Mark the word retrogression. They've all decided this is the key theme of this retrogression. Yeah. Now I, I want to read. Actually, I'll read it. I'll read it a little bit here and I'll read it a little bit again because this is where that consistent word salad starts come. This is the judgment now. These are not quotations. Before this, what I read to you were quotations at the time at which the law was to be passed. The Place of the Worship Act, which was enacted in 1991 by Parliament, protects and secures fundamental values of the Constitution. This is a statement he's making. Secures, protects and secures the fundamental values of the Constitution. The preamble underlines the need to protect the liberty of thought, expression, belief, faith and worship. Again, we say this is all one-sided, right? Mm -hmm. But they say this act protects the thought of expression, belief, faith, and worship. It emphasizes human dignity and fraternity, tolerance, respect for, and acceptance of the equality of all religious faiths is a fundamental precept of fraternity. In fact, what they say is that if you do not freeze all these disputes as of this, as of 15th August 1947, you are going against equality itself. That makes no sense. This was sense. specifically adverted to by the Union Home Minister. Uh, I believe that in now, this is the Home Minister in Rajya Sabha. I believe that India is known for its civilization. This is what I'm saying. It's a classic Indian word salad, right? I believe that India is known for its civilization and the greatest contribution of India to world civilization is the kind of tolerance, understanding, the kind of assimilative spirit and cosmopolitan outlook that it, that it shows. You're going to love this one, Kushal. The Advait philosophy, even this was brought into. Hey. You know, when you when, when you're fighting that battle, you gotta bring all your arms in, right? The Advait yeah. philosophy clearly says that there is no difference between God and ourselves. We have to realize that God is not in the mosque or in the temple only, but God is in the heart of a person. Let everybody understand that he owes his allegiance to the constitution, allegiance to the unity of the country. The rest of the things are immaterial. Oh. Right. Ugh. So again, it it sort of, you know, if I if I didn't generally approach things like this with levity, which <laughs> I have a sense of humor, which I which allows me to do it, this middle paragraph of Advait philosophy would make my head burst. You have used Advait philosophy to say God resides in only us and frozen places of worship, so that the other side gets all the gods that are residing wherever, and we mm. and one side does not. 
Yeah. Right? This is what it does. Effect. This is the effect. Exactly. Exactly. Now this is the Supreme Court again. Well, you know, it's not discernible always in providing a guarantee for the preservation of the religious character of places of public worship as they existed on 15th August 1947 and against the conversion of public places of public worship. Parliament determined that independence from colonial rule furnishes a constitutional basis for healing the injustices of the past. This is healing the injustices of the past. Mark this. By providing the confidence to every religious community that their places of worship will be preserved and that their character will not be altered. But how is it healing anything in the past? Because one side is clearly not getting any healing. It's getting an ass whooping. So this is this is the remit of the law as understood by the Supreme Court in the Ramjan judgment. The law addresses itself to the state as much as to every citizen of the nation. Its norms binds those who govern the affairs of the nation at every level. The, the, those norms implement the fundamental duties under 51A, which is which talks about composite culture, by the way, and are huge posit- and are hence positive mandates to every citizen as well. The state has, by enacting the law, enforced a constitutional commitment and operationalized its constitutional op- operationalized by the way is when i see the word operationalized i'm quite sure it's chandrachu justice chandrachu for sure operationalized is his word <laughs> and operationalized but he has a thing for operationalized what what yeah operationalized its constitutional obligations to uphold the equality of all religions and secularism which is part of the basic features of the constitution so this act by freezing your right to question any the status of any existing monument or existing shrine, existing place of worship upholds equality of all religions and secularism. This is what we're going to analyze as we go deeper. And I didn't want to analyze it out of place. I could make those comments right now. But I thought it'd be better to do it through the vehicle of the petitions that are challenging this act. Because the defense to the act comes entirely from what I'm reading. So in a sense, I've already re- I'm reading to you the exact defense that almost everyone on the Muslim side, side raises. Right? Mm. This is, of course, different from any factual defenses in relation to the main suit. We're not getting into which temple, what temple, blah, blah. We're talking about the philosophy of the Places of Worship Act. Yeah, yeah. And I don't even want to get into whether there is a temple or not or what does the archaeology no, say. No, no, that is not the aim of this. I'll show you how they become important through the act. Because there's a, okay. there are some creative arguments in this. Okay. In, when, when, a, when an act is so small, your arguments have to be creative. Otherwise, in these mm-hmm. longer acts, you can play a lot more with interpretation. The Places of Worship Act imposes a non-derogable obligation towards enforcing a commitment to secularism under the Indian. So secularism, 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 secularism. Right? The law is hence a legislative instrument designed to protect the secular features of the Indian polity, which is one of the basic features of the Indian constitution. Non-retrogression. All right. He now jumps into specifically defining what is secularism. And this is very, very important. And I don't know where he gets it from. I don't know where he determines it from. And I don't know why he has chosen what he has basically done is he's defined what the core nature of the act is and without questioning its nature, says this is for fundamentally protected. And this is what he says. Non-retrogression is a foundational feature of the fundamental constitutional principles of which secularism is a core component. You cannot look back in history. Non-retrogression. 
the places of worship act is thus a legislative intervention which preserves non-retrogression as an essential feature of our secular values same sentence twice over so it's got to fill pages right there's not a lot to defend here wait, wait what you can't look back in the past retrogression is an How, essential feature of secularism so, so so but only hindus can't essentially through the direction of this what you're reading i mean ostensibly not can buddhists not can muslims absolutely the act applies to everyone i mean this But is your history has been one sided right both of buddhists could very well come back come forward as it often been said well why can't buddhists come forward and, and claim their stupas or or other places of worship which hindus may have broken and there is a challenge historically to that i think the hindu side in all fairness should say if that is the case they should be allowed to challenge no problem no no i to say na all all cases should come up see this is a win win situation for only one side <laughs> if they want to play now, that now, game please all 40000 Now, now here's another reason why I'm quite certain this is Justice Chandrachud. Secularism as a constitutional value. This constitutional values thing was his. So he cites S. R. Bhumai's judgment says secularism is the greatest thing since sliced bread. And uh, now he goes to say, and this you're going to have. I, this, I'm not going to read the whole of it. I'm going to read these two specific paragraphs, which you're going to really like. historical wrongs cannot be remedied by the people taking the law in their own hands in preserving the character of places of public worship parliament has mandated in no uncertain terms that history and its wrongs shall not be used as instruments to oppress the present and the future look at the generality and breadth and width of this statement and imagine how many not so happy circumstances this can be applied in and if they were applied in those circumstances he would be this this supreme court would be the first to step forward and say no 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 historical wrongs have to be corrected historical wrongs have to be corrected you know what i'm implying right yeah are main to muh pe bol raha hu na so many historical wrongs like sati like casteism like uh, you know child marriage all the historical wrongs kya karna kya chahte ho ye kis kisam ka dialogue hai ye so it's it, this is why i it's quite stunning it's like you know so this is the defense of the places of worship act and you know is chor ki daadi mein tinka hota na exactly you placed a defense of the places of worship act before the places of worship act was ever challenged it's not under challenge here that's why i said this is all this particular defense therefore did not stop the supreme court from saying that when the act was challenged we are issuing notice on those petitions despite the fact that the objection was taken that the act has already been upheld and its constitutionality has already been stated by the supreme court there's there's another beautious bit in this and it, it, i mean this is really weak logic there is justice dv sharma was a dissenting judge only to this specific portion in the alabad high court on ramjan bhumi mm mm-hmm. and he had said the places of worship act does not debar those cases where declaration is sought for a period prior to the act prior to the act came into force or for enforcement of right which is recognized prior to coming into force of the act what does this mean it means exactly what is being argued in gyanwapi today it means that you have now passed an act of law 
which says that we want to freeze the character of religious places, places of worship as of 15th August 1947. Mm-hmm. Our answer, our question, therefore, this is what the Hindu side says in its petition, in its suit, is that this was always a Hindu place of worship. Exactly. Right? If it was always a Hindu place of worship, a suit seeking mere possession of the land can't be barred. Fair enough. That's the logic. He tries to say no. He's dealt with, he knew this was a very dangerous argument because he dealt with this argument throughout the Ram Janbhumi case. Because on the one hand, what have they gone and done in Ram Janbhumi? They have accepted the deity is the is the entity in whom the property comes to west. Mm-hmm. And the deity they accept again under Hindu law is one of perpetuity. Mm-hmm. Right? So having accepted that, now they're like, well, what do we do with the place of worship? Because any lawyer, once he accepts this, knows, all right, so that means there's only a factual argument to be made to get around places of worship. Act. That is my deity was already there. Mm-hmm. If my deity was already there, I am before 1947 itself, I had the character of this space. So today, what am I litigating? Whether or not this particular Gyanwapi mosque was a temple before 1947. Mm-hmm. And if that's the question that's being raised, the act doesn't apply. Or Gyanwapi me to 1990s to Harsal Ekbar Puja bhi hoti thi. 1990. Locals say that there used to be open entry. There is a certain yeah. wall of the Gyanwapi on the west side, next to which there were uh, where puja used to be regularly con- conducted. It was mm-hmm. only when the Babri Masjid came down that they shut those doors. Mm-hmm. Right? But do you understand what I just said? If this, the, the basis of the suit is the Places of Worship Act, because this, this question keeps coming up, right? An Order 7 Rule 11 application has been filed by the Muslim side saying that mm-hmm. your suit is barred being, is, is, is ought to be dismissed being barred by law. Barred by which law? Barred by the Places of Worship Act. Right? Because it bars all suits in relation to the alteration of character of a uh, religious place of worship. There, the argument, it also logically first principle argument that you must understand from Muslim side is not an unsound argument. The argument mm-hmm. is any declaration that comes today by a court of law would ipso facto be a de- declaration in 2022 or 23 or whatever year it comes in. Right? Therefore, it amounts to an, and if it goes in the favor of the Hindu side, it amounts mm-hmm. to an alteration of the religious character of the current place of worship. It being indisputable that the current place of worship has been a mosque. Right? So, if you were to allow a suit in which such a declaration could be made, that is prima facie violative of the act. But hang on. It is a logical argument. No, no, no. Hang on. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. on. How? Because in the case of the Hindu side, they have been worshipping in that area in spite of Muslim presence simultaneously. How does that matter? Well, it does matter, right? Then it becomes a disputed issue, right? No, no, no. So that's a... See, 
you may have a certain area you got that area they have another area they've got that area both sides are fighting for the whole let's be clear about this yeah no no so 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 hear me out yes both sides are fighting and the solution is they can find out dig and find out what exactly exists over there why because if no 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 there it is you also accept that maybe others are also praying that that also means muslims are also praying that there is a portion of this which is a mosque there are prayers yeah. mosque prayers going on no dispute as to that kushal yeah, there yeah, are days if you were to have a declaration by law today by a, by a court of law today that this is not in fact a mosque it's a temple then that becomes a declaration in the year 2022 or 2023 or 24 whichever year it gets passed in and that date being beyond the date of 1947 it amounts to a conversion of a religious place of worship to another religion after the cut off date set by the places of worship act okay got it right what is the counter to that now i'm going to reread what dv sharma has held he says places of worship act does not debar those cases where declaration is sought for a period prior to the act coming into force or for enforcement of a right which was recognized before coming into force of the act what is okay, the gyan- therefore saying it was never gyan- a mosque yes. it was always a temple gyan bapi ho gaya mathura ho gaya that's right this is why mathura alag hai mathura part i'm going to tell you about mathura in a bit mathura is something very interesting in it. of course this will eventually become the argument in mathura as well but why can't it be the argument in every ancient temple that's going to be the that's that's the thing that the place of worship maybe laudably was trying to prevent and we can't just have these disputes all over the country right so we do need a closure but this is a ham-handed closure and i why i call it a ham-handed closure is you can't win the political debate so you went and tried to win the legal debate and you when you lose the legal debate it will be worse for you or if you even if you uphold the legal debate you might lose in a much uglier much worse way in the politics then where is your act honestly in my personal opinion this act should be gone it's a ridiculous no, act the parliament should remove it i'm uh, see there is again i don't want to sound as if it's definitively there is a laudable objective here kushal i mocked the idea of foreclosing controversies but foreclosing controversies is a very worthy task maintaining communal harmony is a very worthy task yeah yeah maintaining... the, but there is nikhil there is no truth and reconciliation without the truth so so that is a political process where the solution can be political mm-hmm. right what are you choosing it the arena may be a court of law but it's a battle mm-hmm. got it and you say at the end of ramjan bhumi's entire suit entire legal proceeding entire supreme court judgment that there is reconciliation well uh, as it was never just about ramjan bhumi as far as the no, social no, 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 movement was there may be truth to it the truth may have come forward but there's no reconciliation this is why i say these are political processes which our polity has been too immature to handle possibly because they've been fed this sort of one sided narrative from the start that is why i wanted to read the basis of why this act was passed what your ministers were saying when it was passed what your supreme court is saying in trying to preemptively justify it these are word salads mm. you nobody yeah. wants to actually deal with the history nobody actually wants to deal with the reality of things because the history is barbaric nikhil which is why they need word salads kushal you will nothing productive will come from that that's my opinion 
legally productive yes not legally in societally it, it will not be productive you are asking one set to forget that's the that's all this act if i put it in summary one this act says please forget one side please forget yeah bura hua bhul jao get over it that's it that's what this act says and in the fancy language of law i just read it to you non retrogression is a fundamental principle of secularism that's literally yeah. saying stop reading your history or read only that history which we can mold into this non retrogression principle yeah let us try that uh, non retrogression angle in reservation and let's see how the so judges that's, behave that's, then that's that, that's the implication i gave to you earlier right how quickly will they shed non retrogression then yeah revision so politics for example which is done yeah. so much in the south would it ever accept a principle that non retrogression should apply bahujan yeah. politics will it ever accept that non retrogression should apply yeah it is bollocks that's what it is honestly the, the preservation of tribal rights and the sustenance of their lifestyle which is mandated by law is entirely an aspect of non retrogression is mm-hmm. entirely an aspect of retrogression in fact and you do allow the perpetuity of it mhm right so this is what they did to try and preserve he tries to counter dv sharma's argument in one paragraph i request anybody who wants read paragraph 105 of the ranjan bhumi judgment and please look at whether you find dv sharma's three sentences more interesting or this more interesting i won't even bother with this because it really is he's tried to make a technical mishmash and get away with it mm-hmm. right so this in its entirety what i read to you of the ministerial statements this supreme court judgment the statements of objects and reasons and the act structure itself are the things standing in defense of the act hmm right now from the hindu side there is a twofold attack one is a constitutional challenge to the places of worship act in itself right and this constitutional challenge is that this act is unconstitutional it's violative of various sections it's violative for example of uh, it is violative of articles 14 15 19 14 15 19 25 26 29 right i mean and various other things but at the heart of this is two sets of petitions actually three petitions if you look at it Mm-hmm. one is a petition filed by vishwabhadra pujari purohit mahasangh versus union of india challenging the act one is filed by ashwini upadhyay one is filed by subramanian swami mm-hmm. these all challenge the act itself right but in challenging the act what do you admit that suits are barred correct if you are challenging the act you are saying you are barred by right to judicial review of what may be a historical wrong very well but it is nonetheless a bar on uh, judicial review so these particular challenges accept the new suits may not be fileable as long as the places of worship act exists mm-hmm. whereas the plaintiffs in the five, the five women right who have filed as devotees of washinga in gyanwapi in the gyanwapi case they say the places of worship act is not a bar against me anyway 
Why? Because of the reason we just discussed the D.V. Sharma argument that I want a Correct. declaration from the past. And because I want a declaration from the past, I am not in violation of the cutoff date of 15th August 1947. And to that end, the videography conducted by the local commissioner is important because it discovers a shivling. If a shivling is in fact discovered, then that means that this assertion that this was an old temple is correct. Mm. Right? So this is two separate lines. One line says, even if the Places of Worship Act exists, we have the basis for a suit. And the other line possibly accepts the place of worship act may be a bar, so let me try and get rid of the place of worship act. Hmm. This is actually this act, to be very honest, I think it's immoral more than anything. <laughs> Explain that to me. Well, it's not based on a fair principle. The principle itself is uh, lopsided. The principle assumes that only one side's grievances matter. The other side's grievances don't matter. It negates history. It negates societal reality. It negates every single thing that stands in front of you, blaring at you. You know, it's like a 500 volt bulb looking into your eyes and blinding you. But after that, you're just supposed to say, Acha, hai, sunglasses pen lo. Well, so this is what the suits say. Essentially, what you're saying is what the suits themselves, civil suits themselves say. So they say that, and I'll quote a little bit, religious places set up in derogation of tenets of a religion cannot be termed as a place of worship. I agree. So if you have smashed down a mandir and placed upon that a structure with minarets, etc., that by mm -hmm. itself does not become a mosque. Yeah. If you have built a separate mosque by itself, please be my guest. Because pray. a mosque requires... Commemoration of land through a waqf. And that is done by a waqif. Mm -hmm. Aurangzeb, this is the argument in Gyanabhi, never established a waqf for this. The act of destruction of the temple and permitting prayer, Muslim prayer in that region, in that area, was only one of a, con of, of a conqueror. Right? So this is a technical, factual question that will arise in the course of these suits. Nikhil, the act say, says the Hindus don't have any right to even claim victimhood. I mean, that's, it's, it's, in, it's, 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 that's what it is saying, essentially. It is like that. You can, you can set up title disputes to private property 50, 60, 70, 80, 100 years after you might have lost it if you can prove certain conditions and certain factors, but you can't do it in relation to a large public religious space. Right? So I, I might have, and I do on certain arguments, have some, I understand the, the, the Muslim frustration, this perpetuity of the deity and the vesting of the land in the deity makes an argument impossible for them in a sense. Right? Because then all you really need is for the deity to be found within. But Nikhil, that doesn't matter. If you are celebrating something that is literally built on the ruins of another culture, there is something fundamentally wrong in your culture itself. 
your culture is built on the destruction of no, someone no, 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 who wanted sorry. to assimilate you no no you are built upon other cultures also everybody was an aggressor at that point in time this is the history of the world aggressors came and built upon entire civilizations have been knocked over still doesn't change my argument no no it, it fundamentally changes your argument you are now no it doesn't now, take, if you no, can no, no, fundamentally let, prove let, let, let me take the position of the places of worship act and say non retrogression should apply to what you're saying because when i go into retrogression it is a perpetuity of he did then he did then he did then he did and it is impossible to restore any kind of status quo ante because a status quo ante cannot be determined you can you can create a criteria of active history active memory and an attempt to worship over there you can do that if the memory of the thing itself is wiped off and the, there is no effort from one side to say okay i want to go and pray there i understand secondly like the case of the qutub minar i don't buy the argument of the qutub minar at best what they should do in the qutub minar case is you put a plaque over there ki ye logo ne ye barbarians ne usko tod ke banaya tha rakho isko taki humko yaad rahe ye barbarians the that i understand but in the case of mathura gyanvapi maji the constant effort from the society to take it back because it means a lot to them what do you mean by a constant effort from society why can't a constant effort start today maybe you give you want a period of limitation on it let 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 them let people fight for qutub minar for 100 years 100 years later will you say oh there is a constancy to this but it's not a place of worship in my opinion and again there are archaeological problems that, by the way is what the archaeological survey of india said today in court or yesterday in court that's not a place yeah. of worship it's not yeah, a place not of a... worship as it stands please don't confuse the argument as it stands qutub minar is not a place of worship again the monument. arguments again the arguments made by people in the case of qutub minar the problem with that is because people don't understand archaeology and construction done in ancient times a lot of times in ancient cases anybody who has read archaeology papers will realize a lot of old monuments ke structures ka items were used i mean people would recycle things so a lot of times when you i'm not saying qutub minar is not built by uh, breaking something but what i'm trying to say is that there could be many cases where people in fact even in the case of temples ancient temples when you peel right, through so the layers all right let me draw a line and let, let me cut this short there is no evidence in the case of qutub minar that the temples that were destroyed were in active use yeah we don't know that that's right what you're trying to say is that gyanvapi uh, ayodhya and uh, krishna janmabhoomi were in active use when they were destroyed yes and Or, that could that, be a criteria and take those steps back behind that's the principle because otherwise look i know i am sort of contradicting what i was doing earlier i don't like an absolute principle of non retrogression i think that's rubbish but retrogression also has to have it's because there is no clear status quo ante things so there has to be somebody with a clarity on status quo ante before you will get into arguments of retrogression see there is a slippery slope problem and somebody might come back and say no no but what about those jain temples that qutub minar was built on look there is some history behind it but there is counter history to check that too as far as those motifs that you find on qutub minar that could well be the case of being taken from yeah, already so, so. dilapidated buildings right, right, but, but, but so that's but my point but then the place but then you're not actually supporting the point because i'll tell you why all the jain side is saying we want to test this in a court of law we are barred from testing it in a court of law you don't let us test it in politics you don't let we don't want to pick up arms we are not the kind of people who will go on rioting and we can't even test it in a court of law so where do we test it well, let them test it in a court of law 
I think the easier thing would have been for the Supreme Court at some point to develop better principles on dealing with the concept of retrogression, not this shutting the door. Non-retrogression as a basic principle of secularism to me is absurdity. But overt retrogression, there are various places at which you can draw these lines. It's not non-retrogression as a principle. It is non-retrogression only in the cases of places of worship, which is absurd in my view. It doesn't make any sense to me. Look, what do we do? Our society has an interesting past, to say the least. Now, how does the West deal with it? The West did deal with these things where, you know, for example, now we laugh at it, but I'll just give you an example. Like recently, there was this Microsoft... uh, uh, live stream, right? You remember when I said video this company was built on a land that was owned by this tribe, this tribe, this tribe, this tribe, this tribe. There were reservations built for the Native Americans, stuff like that in America. In Canada, you know, the, also they have the case of the Native uh, Canadians or unko first uh, first nation jo bolte with, Canada. With, a vast amount of, with a vast amount of legislative sovereignty. Yeah, so they do, right? पॉइंट है कि इंडिया में क्या करेंगे और इसमें अभी एक और एंगल मैं अपने ही डेविल्स एडवोकेट प्ले करता हूं कोई बोल देंगे आरएन इन्वेशन रियल है तो आरएन इन्वेशन भी अज्यूम कर लो ये सब प्रॉब्लम्स है सो दिस इज व्हाई कुशल आई एम सेइंग नॉन रेट्रोग्रेशन एज ए कोर ऑफ सेक्युलरिज्म इज अ बैड प्रिंसिपल बट रेट्रोग्रेशन हैज टू हैव इट्स ओन लिमिट्स एंड हैज टू बी these factual experiences could have taught us where to draw that line on retrogression but this act is a shut up and forget kind of act but that doesn't work that's the problem i'll just quickly run through uh, the arguments in a very basic way of under the constitution of uh, the hindu side challenging the act the places of worship act mm-hmm. so main argument is that this is violative of article 25 and 26 because hindus are not permitted there by the by force of the act to worship at their places of worship to exercise their right to pray at their places of worship and to have control and ownership of their places of worship and religious spaces in the way in which other religions do so there's a 14 violation there there's an article 25 violation like both equality as well as the freedom of religion there is a a stated violation also of article 25 and 291 as understood in the context of other religions that our personal law has to be respected our personal law says that the deity has perpetual existence and perpetual ownership of the plot of land that perpetuity is not being accepted uh the character of these particular properties are not mosques whatsoever so if they are not mosques then the Then, then the act itself should not apply. But really, a constitutional challenge is only under Article Twenty-Five or Article Fourteen. Everything else, and there is one interesting argument being raised by Ashwini Upadhyay in his petition, which is that the act ostensibly deals with public order, but public order is a state list entry in the state list, and so therefore this could not be a parliamentary act. Parliament, when it passed the act, purportedly did so under Entry 97 of the of List One, which is the residual entry that we have every power that power that which otherwise does not exist. So he has raised an issue on Parliament's own capacity to pass such an act. Right. So these are broadly the constitutional arguments against it. 
Uh, I've also specified to you the interpretational arguments within the Places of Worship Act in relation to how these suits are being challenged and how these suits are being argued. Right. So I, I think in general, if my task was to give a background and an introduction and a sort of description of the Places of Worship Act for the time period that we have, I think this is sufficient. I, I've done a sort of scouring of case law and I've not found a single judgment so far where the issue of religious conversion of a place of worship came up. Not in a high court, not in a Supreme Court. So before I take the audience questions, I had two, three questions about... No, I, um, I, I thought I would quickly run through your ancient monuments and archaeological sites. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to ask you about, the ancient monuments, that bit. Right, and uh, place of prayer versus place of worship. I just There is an argument being made that there is a difference between a place of prayer and a place of worship. That a place of prayer can be any place, anytime, anywhere. But a place of worship is linked to a particular spot at which there is a sense of piety. And that is why it is linked to a deity. So, for example, even for Islam, the Mecca is a place of worship, not merely a place of prayer. Uh, certain specific mosques may be places of worship. But not every mosque is a place of worship. Other mosques are places of congregation of prayer. So if they are therefore places like Yanwapi Mosque, not places of worship, and merely places of prayer, then again the act should not apply. That's the logic of the argument. Got it. Uh, a lot is being made of the ancient monuments and archaeological sites and remains act because there is an exception in section 4.3 of the places of worship act to proper mm -hmm. to monuments that are covered by the AMASR act but really in the context of the debate that we are having I don't think it has much of an effect uh, no no take a minute take a minute I have a question I, I how because in the case of Gyanmapi and Ka, Matra again they clearly are monuments that are 100 years older. So yeah, but they have not? not been declared to be protected monuments. That's the central government's choice. The central government will make it. Once it makes it, this is what I wanted people to be careful about. Once it makes it, right? Huh. it has to preserve the character as it has found it first. Second, there is a bar on construction in and around the space. But third, well, under Section 17, uh, they can release it. Article 4, 1, thana, power of central government to declare ancient monuments, etc. to be of national importance. You can declare. So what, what are you getting at, Pushan? You can declare. That's what I'm trying to get at. Once you declare a protected monument under the AMASR Act, there can be no construction around it. Its character must be preserved. Section 16, 1. Section 19, no construction around it. So it will be frozen in time in a sense. Yeah, and first we what, freeze it, then we win the case, exactly and then ASI we build the said. temple. <laughs> that's 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 not how the AMSR works. But you don't yeah, need that... the AMSR for that. Okay. And this particular question that you are raising now, there was a proposal for an act of 1993 to acquire lands around Ramjan Bhumi by the state government of Uttar Pradesh. And the presidential reference was placed that would this be a valid act of law? And Supreme Court said it would not because it is a unequal law. You are taking only to give to one, right? Which is quite ironic given that the 1991 Act also takes from one to give to only one. Mm -hmm. 
problem philosophically in these debates kushal Mm-hmm. is it is a winner takes all kind of situation it is one site one space someone has to own it someone has to use it it has to be only one side the other side will not accept the presence of the other right i th- only question I think- then is what is the appropriate forum for adjudicating these issues is it Look, a political th- forum or a legal forum it's a political and legal and societal it's a three prong forum but it has to be based on the idea of the theological principles of both the sides whether we like it or not uh, idolatry and or icon uh, or looking at them as icons whatever you want to call them murti puja and all these things are fundamental beliefs of the hindu faith or the jain faith in in many ways on some sects of buddhism uh, too now the point is in the case of islam idolatry is considered a bad thing if they really wanted a solution at a political and social level they should be given a bigger space for building a mosque and such spaces should be given that is real truth and reconciliation because i don't understand the love of the muslim side for a structure because that is literally committing uh, the worst sin one of the worst sins in islam which is butparasti you know you are right. loving a, a structure so if they really wanted a solution this is the solution that the muslim side would come and say okay we understand whatever has happened in the past was not nice let's do this you give no, us a mosque i am actually not aware of this particular question but uh is there a hierarchy of importance of mosques in islam no they broke the birthplace of uh, prophet muhammad too they break everything in saudi arabia nothing it's just a place of worship people go worship and come out place of prayer then place of prayer yeah. this is where the prayer yeah. was worship sorry sorry For prayer 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 sorry sorry right so the hazrat bal yeah. mosque in kashmir which housed the hair of prophet muhammad allegedly would mm-hmm. not have greater reverence than say any other masjid well in fact uh, if you uh, अभिजीत ने भी ये पॉइंट बोला था कि इनफैक्टिंग who are these people why do they get attached to structures that's like the worst sin you can commit in islam so this is where you would take the political side of the truth and reconciliation there is no other tariqa in this there is no there is lit i i, I don't care i say it as i see it there is literally one uh, this is there are two ways of looking at this there is one way where and i don't know how else to say it the muslim side is claiming dekha humne tumhari thoki aur hum jeete this is literally the message that comes to the muslim aap wo jagah mein wuzu kar rahe ho aur wahan pe shivling mil raha hai isse badi insult nahi ho sakti kuch there is no other way to hide it aur ye na aap thoda aise bologe thoda aap uske upar ye powder laga loge wo kuch nahi hai ye literally message hai no but you can't right now zoom it is in fact a shivling well you can No, no. How? <laughs> Come on. It's you not can. clearly that I've not seen a single image that makes it so categorically visible to me. Honestly. Wait, wait for the archaeological results yeah. to come. A carbon date can be done. 
see you have got jumped a step further than me and you are pronouncing judgment as it were i am not i am coming to the short point that what this act does is to take away the right to raise the question that's my problem yeah this act is no no take away the right to question of only hindus or jains or no, Mus- no. or or uh, buddhist or sikhs it doesn't take it the right away of muslims wo to upar baithe na yeah yeah exactly so there has to be that that means nothing that that's just, that just defines the framework kushal it's not that's not an argument at all in this case yes there is one party which is which is in possession you cannot say that oh therefore it is only to their benefit it, it, it is supposed to be a solution that is looked at in terms of those larger great principles that i read out there anyway, are no larger great principles of, those principles are bollocks just for the sake of completion i wanted to read out a couple of things there was a suit that was filed in 1936 by deen mohammed versus the secretary of state for india and council this is in relation to gyan bapi and the written statement filed by the secretary of state for india in council at that time said that the idols in the temple which stand there existed since long before the advent of the mohammedan rule in india right mm-hmm. but please be clear it is not clear from these reports whether that is within the masjid itself or because this area is a very complex area there mm-hmm. are there there is garishingar on one side there is gyanwapi mosque on the other side there is this shared wall where there are deities found where prayer used to occur but this is the mm-hmm. first time within the building of the mosque itself a shivling has been found or a particular uh, hindu de- hindu deity has been found right mm-hmm. The written statement further said that idols and temples which stand there have existed since long before the advent of Mohammedan rule. The other allegations, it is submitted that non-Muslims have been using the land for the religious purpose as a matter of right and have got a right of way over it. So this predates 1947. This is the evidence. Mm. This would take care mm-hmm. of your act in itself. Uh, mm-hmm. This is very interesting. They also say. the mohammedans of that time or for that matter aurangzeb himself was not the owner of the site in which the old temple of vishwanath existed and which was demolished by aurangzeb owing to the religious antipathy hence it could not have been dedicated according to the true spirit of the mohammedan faith mm-hmm. so therefore he says so it can't be a mosque at all this is mm-hmm. you know the secretary of for state for india in council now it sounds very favorable to the hindu side so there's a temptation to accept it at face value but the british were very capable of filing a completely different written statement had the hindus been so mm-hmm. and file a written statement that would have said this was an islamic property from throughout very capable of that just to make sure that the pot was constantly being stirred right so you have to mm-hmm. take it with that kind of pinch of salt in case of ram in case of kgb kgb the krishna janmabhoomi very interesting mm-hmm. initially the suit new suit was dismissed on the ground that the places of worship act would bar that suit but in revision that was held to be not the case because mm-hmm. what happened in krishna janmabhoomi was apparently there was a the hindu side entered into a compromise in 1974 giving away the area the suit has been filed challenging that compromise so therefore that suit Got is it. not barred by the place of worship act because the the thing that a challenge is arises after 47 but once you get that that this particular uh, 
compromise, then you're back to the question of the existence of the deity prior to 47. Mm -hmm. In Got that it. sense, I think I've sort of rounded off all the topics that were needed for this. Baki, I think, yeah, I questions honestly were 1958 act, which I had. So now I'll directly jump into the questions of the viewers. Um, all right, the first question was asked the mosque is a place of prayer and not worship. So, how does the places of worship act be applicable to a mosque? Interesting question. I heard this for you, right? This is the distinction I drew, right? Place of prayer, yeah, but... place of worship. Yeah, that's the whole point. Na, no, no, I, I already point, pointed this out. So the place of prayer versus place of worship is an issue the courts will have to look at. They'll have to see whether prayer versus worship is distinct uh, or not. black and white books law student. Supreme Court cases, SCC. Okay. All right. Uh, okay. Somebody has asked. Can't the state change the status itself? The law mentions person and not state. Sorry? Can can, how do, uh, can the state change the status of a monument? It can, so this right? Is interesting. This is interesting. That is why the you were talking about the AMA, SR Act, the archaeological monuments and... Exactly. Uh, archaeological sites, ancient monuments and archaeological sites and remains act. That is... Mm -hmm a particular property but not change its character you could have a simple act of land acquisition but then you'd have to justify a public purpose and that public purpose may be difficult to justify because it will be one-sided to the benefit of one party and that mm -hmm. that any court will turn around and say this is going to cause problems on the ground we think that this is not in public purpose right mm -hmm. so theoretically you can do it but it's very very difficult to do and you certainly cannot do it until you've got a political compact in place Mm. Or oh, certainly shouldn't attempt it till you have that political compact in place. Got it. All right. So someone has asked, aren't Kashi, Ayodhya, Mathura a case where the core belief system of Hindus with respect to the birthplace of a deity is concerned as opposed to other temples? Does the belief system not override the places of worship act? As in, I think what they, I will word their argument and question better. I no, think no, I, I'll word it for you. The, this is exactly what the, the, what, what the basis of challenge in the Supreme Court is. They are saying this is Article 25 for us. This is the core of our religion. And that yeah. of, of our of our dharma, that if you are we are not allowed these spaces and these particular deities, then both in terms of the architectural structure of the dharma, which is that a deity resides in only one place, and that deity resides there for perpetuity, both in terms of not recognizing that fact and also the piety towards these specific gods, Vishnu, Avatars of Vishnu in particular, you are violating our. Uh, basic core religious rights. All right. So again, somebody somebody has this confusion about the places of worship act itself. It's a long message. They say they have heard in the news that uh, Muslims read the namaz in Badrinath and Krishna's Jamnastan temples. Some say the land can be claimed as a masjid land. Is namaz is read on it? Is is this? accurate as per the places of worship act no this has nothing to do with places of worship act okay all right okay yeah because even i was confused your question could they all right now someone has asked do statements from supreme no, 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 court no, no. I think, you know, almost maybe implying 
No, it's like, I think you know what they may be implying that if namaz is being read in these spaces, if a claim mm-hmm. were to be later made by Muslims, wouldn't the bar on conversion of the religious space also apply in favor of Hindus under the Pesu Worship Act? I think that's what they're driving at. Mm-hmm. Right? My first answer to that would be that the mere reading of namaz in a space does not create a masjid or a space of religion under Islam. You can read the namaz absolutely anywhere. It does not necessarily make it a masjid. Exactly. Exactly. Right? That's step one. Which is, yeah. That's step one. So, therefore, one of the arguments that is being raised is we take upon ourselves the challenge in the case of Gyanvapi or Ayodhya or Krishna Janabhumi to show that the ऑन Look, the state. Uh, this is why I tried to explain the difference between ratio and uh, obiter. Mm-hmm. That this was not in issue in the Ramjan Bhumi case, so therefore this should not be considered as the final word of the Supreme Court, first and foremost. Secondly, mm-hmm. as and when when amendments are made to a statute, they are only challengeable on the grounds that they violate on essentially three grounds. One, they violate fundamental rights of the Constitution. Two. they violate mm-hmm. some other constitutional provision or uh, procedure and three that the, the particular legislature which passed that law the amendments were beyond their their powers as as circumscribed by the by, by the constitution these are the only three grounds on which you attack particular law i think what the person may be implying is that the manner in which the supreme court has defended the act it would seem that they would defend anything in pursuance of the same philosophy as the act that mm-hmm. i think is not a issue that is foreclosed that as and when these things arise they will be argued so as an example the fact that the constitutional challenge to the act notice has been issued on it and and replies have been demanded from the other side shows that the court was not willing to say that the paragraphs set out in ramdan bhumi foreclose that issue altogether interesting you you just used the name of ram janmabhoomi so someone has asked the supreme court in the ram janmabhoomi judgment said the muslim side can't prove continuous worship versus hindus can if that's not the case in kashi does that play a role here <coughs> the different kind of suits the cause of action in the ram janmabhoomi case was titled it was actually mm. titled to the land itself that is why continuous mm. use was necessary <coughs> the cause of action in uh, both krishna janmabhoomi and gyanvapi i'm kg kjb i'm less sure of but gyanvapi certainly is uh, the right to pray right to worship that's why this right to worship is going to become a completely different issue again <clears throat> because let's be clear the right to worship is not an enumerated right under article 25 mm-hmm. the right to religious practices but it is not a whether right to worship is therefore so inherent to a religion that without it there is no religion that is what we come now hmm a very interesting question is the places of worship act a, stat- a sort of a statute of limitation if so is it possible to challenge it on the basis of court no call to file a case in the past see 
it's an interesting question. It's a good legal question, actually. Yeah, it's a very good it's question. Not, I'm really impressed. It is not a quest. It is not a statute. This is, this is definitely someone who's of a legal mind, uh, law student or a lawyer or someone or the other. It is not a statute of limitation. It is a statute erasing a particular cause of action. Section three erases the cause of action itself. And section four erases the remedy. So therefore, the challenges to it are to section three, the challenges are under section article 25 and 14, as I'd explained, including the, including that to the cutoff date. But the challenge to section four, which stops anybody from going to court, is under article 32, which is my right to judicial review. Everybody mm -hmm. has a right to judicial review. And most importantly, the right to file a suit is an inherent right. The right to file an appeal is a statutory right. What do I mean by that? You can file, mm -hmm. if you can establish an injury, you can file a civil suit on it. Mm -hmm. You do not need a legislation somewhere saying we authorize the filing of a suit on X issue or Y issue. As long as you suffer an injury, you have the right to file a suit. As opposed to an appeal where if a statute does not prescribe an appeal, no appeal will exist. Mm -hmm. Right. So the right to file a suit is so inherent and so fundamental and so basic in the democratic character that it is the first stage of judicial review. And that having been ousted, that is where the Article 32 argument against Section 4 is actually quite strong. Got it. All right. I think we've covered all the questions. So before we wrap things up, uh, Nikhil, any last point you want to mention before we wrap it up? I think I covered my apprehensions from both ends of the spectrum on this already. Uh, but I do genuinely feel that the Places of Worship Act is, as you correctly put it, a, a very ostrich head in the sand kind of approach, right? What they're trying mm -hmm. to do is to say, let's not look at anything. Let's not look at the truth. Let's just move forward. Now, that sounds very good, but there is a historical sense of loss of heritage, of loss of culture on one side. And you are now basically with this act, although you put it in laudatory terms, essentially asking the other, asking one side to say, cut your losses. 800 years, you were ruled, cut your losses. Tough luck. I, you know, even if I were to at some legal level, at some standard of legal uh, philosophy, accept that as being maybe a wise choice. I am old enough now to understand that politically and socially, this is absolutely untenable. It's a disaster. You're mm. suppressing sentiments and emotions that will not stand to suppression. Yeah. You know, uh, to make a mockery of it, the Places of Worship Act, you know, is this exactly. Let me put my uh, headphone down. So they say something and then then they do this. La 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 la. That's the places of worship act. I can't hear you. I don't want to hear you. No more arguments. It's not going to change. So these are my closing comments on this. The parliament has to look at it. Nikhil has raised a very important point from me. For me, from a philosophical perspective, it is a slippery slope problem because when you open, it does create a slippery slope. To say that it does not create a slippery slope is just lying to yourself. And we have to look at uh, the balance of the society. 
at the yeah, same it, it, time it's a slippery slope on one side and it's a bottomless pit on the other side because the non retrogression argument basically says go bury yourself somewhere yeah and the retrogression argument you need to draw some principles yeah so so i guess there will be compromises that have to be made over the years on both sides the hindu jain sikh buddhist side on one case and the muslim side on the other uh, i've not even gotten the case of the portuguese butchery in goa which has open records historically which is there in the archives i mean we're not even going there just want to uh, we we i'm not even touching that bit but this is going to be a tricky solution to solve and you know to to that argument that nonsense argument that people make india ko hai na sirf past mein rehna hai to fir reservation mein argument kyun nahi aati india ko hai na past mein rehna hai tab kyun nahi aati i'm someone who's as pro reservation as it gets but what i'm trying to say is to to make this accusation of indians only worry about the past is just a load of rubbish everybody worries about the past What yeah yeah and racism legislation of the united states yeah 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 not only that what what is the past the past in a philosophical way is every living second is the past right i move forward so how far back am i go 2002 is not living in the past 1992 on the muslim side is not living in the past that's not living in the past only before independence and the mughal era is living in the past the dravidian political movement lying on the aryan migration theory and coming up with absurd lamurian lamuria lamuria kind of theories is not living in the past so please don't give me this argument of oh some people indians you know they just like to live in the past everybody lives in the past your civilization is built on the footsteps of what those people in the past did so please don't make this nonsense argument you only make it when you want to obfuscate people who talk about not living with the past are obfuscationists they just want to obfuscate and not deal with the truth you don't have any truth and reconciliation until you don't deal with the past you have to deal with your past our past has the sin of jati varna discrimination our past has the sin of misogyny cutting across religions and across civilizations our past has the sin of mughals and muslim invaders and christians in the case of the portuguese destroying our culture you have to deal with it what the mature society would be is like problem hai solve kaise kare let us sit across on the table but if you are going to say that your solution is are tum to hai yaar tum to idolaters ho tum to deserve karte ho ye i'm sorry that's not going to work bring a solution that the hindu side will accept and and the places of worship act is literally na humne tumhare sare cheeze tod di ab tumne ek mein jhagda kar liya ab wo tumko ek de rahe hain iske baad tumko dusra nahi karne denge ye lo taala laga diya tumhare do aise nahi hota and nikhil is right where he sounds an alarm that the parliament and the courts have to wake up to these realities otherwise society mein fir tamashe na ho and if you really care for the society please wake up and don't let the society go down that drain uh, you know rabbit hole so we'll end today's podcast on that uh, and as always nikhil thanks a lot buddy for coming and explaining uh, uh, in everything in so much detail Thanks thanks so much thanks for having me All right guys we'll end up the podcast over here go to the description of the podcast you'll find Nikhil's Twitter handle 
प्लीज गो एंड फॉलो हिम ऑन ट्विटर ही ट्वीट टू मच अबाउट फुटबॉल ऑन ट्विटर आई डोट नो वट इज प्रॉब्लम इज पता नहीं क्या फुटबॉल देखते रहता है बैठ के होपलेस स्पोर्ट बट ठीक है